Barney and Friends. Barney Simon. Jacaranda FM. Jacaranda FM, uh, my in-studio guest through till uh, midnight tonight, Craig Hines of uh, Watershed and a song called Sometimes by James. What a great band out of Manchester. They can't play football, but they can (laughs) sing. No, I'm just kidding. It looks like Man United looking good these days. Are you into football? Uh, Which football team do you support? British. Um, British football team. um, What's your favorite team? Everton. Everton, no. So then it's not Everton. It wouldn't be Everton. <laughs> Liverpool. It, it would be uh, I, no. I think I'll go for Man United. Man United, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Just because everybody likes Man United. I quite like Arsenal as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not bad with the big guns there. I see. Hey, so James, I totally forgot. While that song was playing, you said you hooked up with uh, two guys. Well, well, you know the guys from the band James, and I, I thought you saw them live at Supersport Park with. Uh, uh, a couple of South African bands, Springbok New Girls were there, and uh, Smashing Pumpkins played. Mm. It was a brilliant evening. I think James stole the show that night. They were absolutely brilliant. Oh, so down. And yeah. How did you meet the guys out of James? Because I know you moved to the UK. You stayed there for a while. Um, yeah. Tell us a bit about James. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was out there. Um, I think we were working on the on the third album. It was so that was back in two thousand and probably seven. No. 2005, the third album, and um, somehow I got hooked up with um, with the guys from James and spent a lot of time with the keyboard player Mark Hunter and guitarist Saul Davies, and um, wrote with them uh, for two tracks actually on the third album, which the one song was called "Live Another Day," which um, which was quite a big song for us. It was the first single of the of the third album. And it was during the, it was the World Cup, I think, in in Germany, um, which would have been two thousand and was it seven, the World German World Cup before ours, yeah. and um, yeah, I think I think Live Another Day was a big one over there. So the video of Live Another Day was was playing all over Germany, which was which was really exciting. But um, yeah, so spent a lot of time with them during that album. And then we we launched our second album, uh, sorry, our third album, which was the Mosaic album, also at Sandton Square. Um, and I think I'm not sure if it was Mandela Square yet. Um, in, in fact, I think it, it it was. So so we and James came out and joined us, well, some of the members, um, for our launch at at Mandela Square. So that was that was an incredible time. So yeah, mm. yeah, great guys, just like super funny, super funny guys. You know, they just. I mean, I love British humour, so spending five minutes with them is just hilarious. <laughs> and what was it like? Uh, how long were you in the UK for? Well, on and off for a few years. Okay. You know, what was, what, what was the, the music scene like? I mean, there's a pub on every corner and there are musos playing. And, it, and mm. You know, you obviously walked, it's like uh, New York. You walk in there and you think you're a good guitarist <laughs> until you walk into a blues bar or something. But yeah, absolutely. Any bands that you saw there in small venues that nobody knew and all of a sudden you were sitting next to this guy, have you got some nice stories to tell us? Any famous people you met? No, nothing like that, unfortunately. But I remember seeing Stereophonics, which has turned out to be one of my favorite bands at the Hammersmith Apollo. Um, I mean, I, I just couldn't believe that guy's voice after two and a half hours of belting out this really gruff-sounding, pitch-perfect voice was was quite scary to watch. Um, so since that day, Stereophonics have been a great, uh, a big favorite of mine. But um, if you want to talk about the, the big boys in the music, it's sort of I spent a bit of time in Nashville as well, and uh, that was something special to see.
I mean, they live for music there, 24 hours a day. That's all they know. And uh, there are just so many musicians uh, on the streets, wherever you go. I mean, the buskers even, you go, wow, man, that guy's cool. Or that, well, yeah. that, that girl sitting on the corner there, what an incredible voice. Uh, I'll sign her now. And I mean, some of those miracles happen eh, to, to musos. But sitting there, like Passenger, he was out here in South Africa. He yeah. was busking in Australia really? and in the UK for quite a while as well yeah. after his band split up. So, uh, yeah, Nashville must have been amazing. Who did you meet there? Any famous people? Um, no, once again, no. Um, but I'm just trying to think of this very, very famous country singer that… Kenny Rogers. No. No, no, <laughs> no he, he goes to bed at 7 o'clock. Yeah. You know, but, but, but it's a type of place where you can walk into a music venue and you'll be sitting there um, having a beer watching this insane band playing. And next thing, they call up someone from the audience and up he stands. I'll, I'll get his name just now and I'll just shout it out. Waylon Jennings, no, and he and he and he stands up and he's wearing his tracksuit, you know, <laughs> and he gets onto the stage and starts singing, and he's sort of like a multi-million selling country artist, you know, and these guys are everywhere. Every person you talk to is involved in the music industry, whether they're in management, agency, record companies, singers, writers, musicians. It's it's just it's crazy. Did you go to any of the uh, big concerts in Nashville? I mean, I think every weekend they've got these massive concerts and it's jam-packed with uh, country fans. But country music's changed a bit now. It's a bit more country rock, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I think that's still that trad, that, that trad country is still a big, a big thing out there, you know, and it'll always be there. It's sort of, for me, it's, it's such a massive grounding, um, you know, for, for music worldwide. It just sort of makes sense to me. And uh, in fact, our new album, um, has got quite a strong country influence in it, um, but um, but no, no big bands in 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 Nashville that I, I never spent enough time there to mm. go. But uh, when when Watershed was touring Europe extensively in the sort of mid two thousands, um, we used to go and watch some big concerts in Belgium and um, a lot of those big summer festivals which we were performing on at the time. So you get to see some huge bands, some huge names. You know, I remember watching a. A show in in Belgium called Rock Vechter Festival, and um, the last four bands were, um, I think it was the Pretenders were fourth from the end, then it was Counting Crows were third from the end, and then after Counting Crows were Coldplay, and once you've seen Counting Crows and Coldplay, which are two of my favourite bands, you sort of think it can't get any better than that, <laughs> yeah, because they just get better and better. So the headline band REM walked onto the stage, wow. Mind and it was so I saw Counting Crows, Coldplay, and REM in a row, and each band just got better. And Michael Stipe is my absolute hero, and uh, he just it was it was just amazing to watch. Any other big bands uh, that you opened for in South Africa? I know Counting Crows that must have been a highlight. David Gray uh, was another one. David Gray, the Cranberries. Any- Mm-hmm. Um, the Cranberries, I remember, was was in it must have been two thousand. The Cranberries were out here, and Watershed hadn't even started. Man, I think we had a song on radio which was "Shine on Me," and um, next thing EMI, the record label, got a call, and and because I think Cranberries were an EMI band. That's how it sort of works, you know. Um, if a EMI band comes out here, um, they'll generally try to find a, an EMI band to mm-hmm. to support or open for. So that was quite a big thing for us because we, I mean, we hadn't even built up a fan base. We had a, a few, so we had Shinami on radio. But I remember playing Shinami to the audience and, and people were singing that chorus already. 
So they'd heard it on radio, and and I think that was a big a big time for us. Fifteen thousand people after you've, you know, the most people you've played to is sort of seven, you know. So it was quite a big it was quite a big jump for us. Um, but yeah, we, we've we've had a couple of a couple of opening opening slots, um, but uh, I think there's a time when when you sort of need to get on with it. You've got to get on with your job as as a band. You know, we we ended up touring um, Europe for many years around Indigo Girl success and Letter success and Live Another Day success. Um, I, th- I I see you played Lovely Day earlier. That was actually mm. quite a big song for us over in Germany and Austria and Switzerland. So because of all that success, we ended up spending a lot of time there. We'd we'd move over to Germany. We'd live in a house for three months and literally tour um, and do the big summer festivals for three months. And uh, you also appeared on Top of the Pops. I mean, you had to go there because uh, if your song charts, mm. you have to go and sing the song in front of a live audience. Uh, d- did you mime the song or was it live? Um, the the thing with those massive TV shows, it's all mimed, mm. unfortunately. Um, but I can see why. It's a, it's a, it sort of can't go wrong. You know, you're playing to millions of people are watching and, and uh, it's the only way of it really happening and happening properly but i remember on our particular top of the pops it was celine dion and uh, ronan keating and watershed so it was those three bands it was quite cool. so celine dion was on the same stage as you and backstage uh how long did it take for her to do her makeup like two days before she went on stage? yeah i remember she she insisted on getting there two days before the rest <laughs> of us <laughs> but did you meet all these mega stars backstage what were they like i mean it's like, yeah it was that was cool i mean we were uh, we were all walking around with wide eyes and it was just crazy for us because it just happened i remember driving i don't know if anyone knows the circle in craig hall um you know you go down i think it's buckingham and you get the circle, which if you turn right, you head off to Parkhurst and you turn left and you head to Hyde Park. And I was going through that circle when I got a call from EMI to say Indigo Girl is just blowing up all over Germany and all over Europe, all over Austria. And, and you've got to pack a bag basically and get over there. So it was just that buzz that just hits you, you know. And um, and then off we went and we were doing all these shows suddenly and and Top of the Pops was, was yeah, it was, it was freaky to just sort of do, you know. Mm. And then, um, you know, obviously you, you love South Africa. And, uh, you know, things could have uh, carried on there for you. I mean, touring and touring and what, what, what that big decision to come back to South Africa. We're going to find out about that in just a moment. But I uh, also asked you to select a couple of uh, South African musos. We're going to talk about some of the, your favorite South African musos like this one. Barney and Friends. Barney Simon. 